0: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila. Handcrafted, expert approved. With over 20 international blind tasting awards. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit korin.com.
2: Welcome to Life's a Banquet, everyone, the show about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable with me, your host, down here in Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett,
3: and... <laughs> and me, I don't know, a parrot...
2: Ah, amazing. As we know, parrots are evil. Sorry, Mike Sala, we've discussed this at length, and we did, we, I think, landed on that they are both evil and absolutely beautiful and striking.
3: This is, yeah, it's complex. A parrot is a complex creature.
2: It is, and we know this for a fact, they live too long.
3: Or maybe not, though.
2: (laughs) They live like ninety years. I mean but then remember
3: my seller told us that his doctor said his parrot wouldn't live that long.
2: Well, his parrot has non-Hodgkins lymphoma. That's why.
3: (laughs) I don't think that's true.
2: (laughs) It's not funny. Actually, my I do wanna say seriously, my parents' dog died this weekend and it was very sad. And all I can really say about it is that i think it's a cruel joke on humanity that parrots live like 10 times as long as cute puppy dogs
3: where but who would take care of the parrots or the dogs when their owners are dead
2: a 90 year old dog (laughs) can you imagine
3: no no (laughs) (laughs) it's hilarious to imagine that
2: Uh, I was, I remember when Prohibition. Anyway. How are you? What's going on? What's new?
3: Nothing's new. My life is boring and the world is burning around us. That's
2: not so bad. (laughs) What are you talking about? Look, I was gonna try to Google some funny because I agree the world is burning and there's really nothing funny to talk about. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna bring my own hot celebrity news to this podcast. Enough about Ben Affleck and his dumb girlfriend, and Beyonce. so. I, beyond his his Beyonce, exactly. <laughs> ben, this just in, folks. Ben Affleck has traded in Jennifer Lopez for Beyonce. You heard it here first. Um, no, I was trying to Google celebrity news. Nothing really interesting was coming up. A lot of celebrities I've never heard of, which made me feel old and more depressed. And (laughs) then I was like, well, let's see what's going on with Carrot Top. Hmm. Shall we? That could be funny. And all that came up when I clicked on news about Carrot Top was fucking Carrot Top pesto (laughs) recipes. Hmm. That sounds
3: good.
2: (laughs) Yeah. it's very green, very vegetal. But anyway, I've got nothing. That's all to say.
3: Well, the celebs are hiding out in their mansions. They sure are. Um,
2: So have you cooked anything, ate anything, seen any interesting movies, stalked anyone?
3: Oh, I did start watching um, the Amazon original television event called Chloe, which is really, really good. I'm like addicted to it right now.
2: What is it about? I've not heard of it.
3: Um, it's basically, it's British and essentially, basically the main character is this, She's kind of like a grifter, I guess. But love it. She and her friend from a childhood dies, and in order to like figure out what happened to her, she sort of infiltrates her friend's like glamorous life. Um, but it's like the, from the very beginning, like you know that like it can't last forever, and things just keep building and building and building. and You're like, what's gonna happen? Oh. Um, and the actress or the actor who plays the main character is just like, I don't know. She's like. Captivating. She's such a great actress. So it's really good. I cool. can't wait to see what happens. I had to stay it way too late last night watching it. And that's all.
2: Well, I can't wait to watch. I've, I need something new because I'm just going to, whenever I feel really upset, I go to like comfort things. I've watched Father of the Bride like four times <laughs> in the past week, which is cruel because it was Father's Day and I was missing my dad. I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll watch Father of the Bride over and over again. But something about that sweet Steve Martin, you know, that kind of curmudgeon-y '90s, yeah, you know, pleated hair. supremely wealthy and such.
3: father. But they're and supposed to have Pasad- like a good normal house.
2: <laughs> that pa- that simple Pasadena living. <laughs> We're just common people We're living in this eighty-seven million dollar perfect home. We're everyman. Okay. It, it, we're every man. We uh, you, can't every man host a wedding for four hundred of their closest friends in their home.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ridiculous. <laughs> and like I think we talked about it before, but like every movie from the nineties uh, or even like the two thousands, like the dad is always like either in shoe design or like owns a sneaker factory or is like an architect.
3: It's only there's only two movies. Where there's shoe design. It's Jumanji and Father of the Bride.
2: That's like a lot though, because don't you think like being and Parenthood the television show? Oh well. The Steve what, Martin character in the television show is a, works at a sneaker factory as well.
3: But that's not the 90s. I'm
2: just saying, I think it's interesting because how many fucking people like own a sneaker factory? Although maybe he design? had
3: a sneaker I don't know what his job is in Parenthood the movie. In Parenthood, the
2: movie, he
3: is an architect. Ah, yeah. He's also an architect in House Sitter? House no. House guest. No, you
2: Yes, and he's an architect again, and it's complicated.
3: And he's also architect in Shop Girl.
2: Yeah, he's like always an architect. <laughs> he's not an architect actually in Parenthood, he's in sales. But okay. I feel like he's selling architecture. There's <laughs> some kind
3: of He's like, Just, I'm selling you this drawing of a building.
2: <laughs> look at this drafting board. You're going to love the way you look.
3: <laughs> What's that tool, uh, the drafting tool that they use on the, the, you know, like...
2: The right angle thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get one of these. Top of you, the Maybe even take two. You're going to need a bunch of these, you know, push pencils. The graphite, it's perfect. He
3: probably, I bet he probably sold architecture supplies to, like, universities, large-scale buys, you know, so in order to fund his four children that he has in that movie.
2: That's exactly right, Nicole. And I'm glad we got to the bottom of this now.
3: Steve Martin, if you're
2: listening, please call into the show and explain to us why you're such an architect file.
3: The thing is also about architects, that since I actually have friends who are architects, that you don't actually make that much money. And so and it's also a very difficult field to, like, get into. So... I know several people who went to architecture college, T Square, that's what I'm thinking of. Got their T squares. T Square. Got their T squares in order and started working in architecture. And then the money was so bad they were either serving or they just left it all together. So well, yeah. It's not like in the movies where you can be just like a wealthy architect because that's what your job is as architect.
2: Totally. I mean, Big Hollywood has been selling us the architecture live. For decades now. You know who else a fucking architect? Was the guy in um Mystic Pizza.
3: You know who else is an architect? The guy from How I Met Your Mother.
2: There's so many fucking architects. That guy in Mystic (laughs) Pizza hot, but he was a creep. You know who else is an architect? My upstairs neighbor on the top floor. You know who's a shoe designer? The neighbor that lives right below them. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Isn't that weird?
3: That is crazy. (laughs) And they're not even from the nineties.
2: They're from today.
3: (laughs) I feel like we looked up this before, but there is like the the num like the careers that people have in movies is like architect, um marketing guru. Wedding planner. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. There's always there's a wedding planner in literally every movie that's ever been made.
2: (laughs) Chef. Sometimes someone's a chef, and that's very annoying and stupid.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chef. Oh, also. So that I sent you that show that everyone's talking about.
2: Yeah, the bear. Every single person I know has sent me this. So I'm I don't.
3: Like, I, I don't it. even. Is it fiction or nonfiction?
2: It's fiction, baby. I think. Oh. But like everyone's like, it's so good, and I'm like, I won't be able to handle watching a show where people are like, behind you, corner. You know what I mean? Like coming in hot. I just can't watch it. It's like too stupid. Sorry if anyone loves it. It's hard for me to like, I, I think most people feel that way about job, like movies about their profession.
3: I just don't. Well, last night I got into a long conversation with my friends about the movie Waiting, which I have never seen. And they started to quote it to me. And then they're like, Dane Cook is awesome. And I'm like, whoa. No. Get out of here. I, know, I had to leave.
2: Dane Cook. I hope you fired those friends from your life.
3: Yeah. Well, they were my ride home. So I had to stay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're like, I just like duck, tucked and rolled out of the car. Step two of Dane Cook is a bridge too far.
3: I also feel like, isn't he canceled or something? I don't know, but you
2: know what? I say we trade in Ben Affleck and start updating ourselves and our listener about Dane Cook. Each no, week.
3: I don't think so. I think we should Come just on, make... they're the same. We should let sleeping dogs lie, whatever that means. Maybe sleeping, I think it's sleeping Danes lie,
2: <laughs> sleeping great Danes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, okay, so there's an article that says Most likely if there's a male in a movie They're going to be an architect <laughs> Oh my god, you're right We didn't
2: even Google this first, people We just watch a lot of movies Oh, also
3: we... in Sleevels in Seattle He's an architect What the fuck?
0: <laughs> he's so also scary. an architect
3: in Jungle Fever <laughs> Love Actually Tom Yanks is in Jungle Fever? No I know, I'm Kidding. kidding <laughs> um, In Decent Proposal Architect Wow. Um, One fine day, Michelle Pfeiffer is the architect. Wow, yeah, architect.
2: There's a lot of accountant is a job that sometimes people have, but architect is very popular because it sounds exotic. Most people don't know an architect except for you.
3: I know millions of architects. Yeah, you're covered in architects. Hundreds of millions. You know what?
2: You know what I saw the other day? Uh, not an architect, but... So I had been having a conversation. <laughs> I saw architecture. Now <laughs> let me tell you about it. It was pointy. Some of it was round. Wasn't that the um, name of a
3: clothing store? Architecture? Yeah. I don't know. Call into the show For if you brought any pieces. Yeah, tell me your story. I'm going to let this up. <laughs>
2: um, okay, since you're not listening. Listener, the other day I had been chatting. A couple weeks ago chatting to a friend of mine and insisting that St. Bernard's wear a barrel around their neck filled with alcohol to bring to their human companions when they're freezing on a mountain. Uh And this person said, no way, Jose. And I was like, okay, whatever. I let it go. And then I come home. I'm in New York and I see, what do I see? Nicole? I see a fucking St. Bernard with a barrel around its neck in the middle of June. What? Okay. Where? That's weird enough on court street. Okay. So, Very strange. I was like, we're living in a simulation. This is so weird. Why is there a fucking St. Bernard with a barrel around its neck? I've never seen a single or married St. Bernard in New York in my, I don't know, ever. Moments later, approaching from the other direction comes another St. Bernard. This one without a barrel. However, what is the likelihood, and this is a math question, that (laughs) if there is two St. Bernards traveling at an equal speed, one coming from the east and one coming to the west, uh, anyway, so then they saw each other, and they didn't know each other. They weren't related. They weren't connected. And then the following day, I see the same St. Bernard the Barrel again in the morning. Haven't seen either one of them since.
3: Why do they put a barrel around his neck in the heat?
2: Well, it's maybe it's full of margaritas or something. It's supposed to be a full of a warm liquid to bring its, mast, its owner on uh, the ski slopes.
3: Well, you need to document this. I don't... Understand. You don't believe me? <laughs>
2: Just don't You understand. don't believe me either? Well, I bet now I'm going to see two, five more St. Bernard's. Just keep denying it. You're yep. a St. Bernard denier.
3: I believe you, sort of. <laughs> Huge um, barrel. The store that I was thinking of is structure, not architecture. Oh, I'm sorry. Really great store. <laughs> Full oh, of I'm like shiny, mind. that was the place that you would get your like shiny button downs in like 30, oh. 2000s.
2: Sure, 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 sure. Well, uh, on that note, do you have any news about um, Dane Cook this week? Oh no? my God.
3: It's a crazy week for no, I won't. Don't ever speak Dane Cook's name to me again. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so the article that I found about Benifer says literally, Ben and Jennifer Garner's son crashes a Lamborghini. And Jennifer (laughs) Lopez is there. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I didn't even know they had a son that was driving age or a son at all. Um, So then you read the article and what actually happened is they're at a car dealership and there's a Lamborghini with the engine running and the 10-year-old got in the driver's seat and accidentally like reversed it and it like sort of bumped up against another car. That's all that happened.
2: That's not that interesting. However, who is this fucking, like, entitled child who just runs into... Like, okay, there's been a lot of questions, actually. First question, why was the Lamborghini just, like, on with the door open? Second question, what kind of child just, jump, like, runs into a random car and just starts driving it?
3: <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they're obscuring the truth from us. We don't really... We'll never know what happened to this car. No yeah. But if Ben like buys a yellow Lamborghini, all my tiny smidgen of respect that I have left for him will disappear
2: you think that someone who has a full color tattoo of a phoenix on their entire (laughs) back wouldn't buy a yellow Lamborghini
3: well I think that Jennifer Lopez his wife-to-be would be like I don't think so it's a no for me
2: yeah hopefully she would give it two thumbs down however wait a minute okay was I, as I'm understanding this story, is that it was some other person's Lamborghini who was like, "Hang on, like I'm just going to leave the Lambo running quick with, with the end with the doors open while I go get something out of the BMW store, like maybe like a soda from the soda machine or something, or oh, like
3: my T-square that I left here because I'm obviously an architect. right? I own a Lamborghini, <laughs> exactly. I
2: left my T-square here last time I was
3: designing this BMW store." <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well yeah I don't know I'm just like it was a car dealership so my assumption was that the Lambo as they call it was one of the cars that was for sale but yeah I guess someone could stop by the dealership on their way to architecture class and left it <laughs> running grabbed the T-square in that moment the child leapt into the car and smashed it into a BMW <gasps>
2: I'm taking off. I hate this family. (laughs) My dad's a dick. He's making me listen to the new Dame Cook CD on repeat. I can't take it anymore. How much are Lamborghinis even?
3: Like $400,000?
2: I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, Probably something around that. That makes me sick. I don't like talking about how much money people have. I can't handle it.
3: Well, then the other thing that happened is that Jennifer Lopez got a manicure and on her nails are... The initials j and b <laughs> get the fuck out of here that's worse than the lamborghini why why on your nails
2: i don't I understand don't
3: know yeah it's rough out there guys be careful
2: i mean maybe if you were like 16 or something a 50 something year old woman getting ben affleck's first name initial on her finger come on <laughs> That's worse than the Lamborghini. I thought you were going to say she got yellow Lamborghini nails, which would have been kind of cool.
3: That would be cool.
2: Um, So lame.
3: Well, now that we've talked about really important stuff, let's focus on the non-important topic that we have for today.
2: (laughs) I think it's fun. I had a great time doing my research, I'll tell you that.
3: Yeah, so we decided to do divas, and I decided that it would be more fun to just find like the least credible reporting shit talk about my diva um love it because it's hilarious um but but first let me start by telling you about martha helen stewart Um, (gasps) diva (laughs) who you have been on tv with I was on her show once, and I will
2: report, she's quite a diva.
3: <laughs> diva. I like her on her show. She is just a bitch to everyone, and it's just part of her vibe. Like, she's actually mean to people that come on her show during the filming of the show, and they she leave it in. She was
2: mean to me on the show <laughs> when I was on. You should watch it, because she was just like like... I I watched nobody explained anything before the show started. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, when we're cooking bechamel sauce together and I was like, should I like turn this on? Like, I don't know. Is there gas in here? Or is this going to explode if I turn this on? Like I didn't say all that, but I'm like, should I like turn it? She's like, well, we're really cooking here. (laughs) I really love Martha Stewart so much. And I love that she fully embraces her, like, you know, her whole diva-ness.
3: Yeah. Her tough attitude.
2: Yeah, she's tough, and she's a, a hero of mine. Okay, so Martha
3: Helen Stewart was born in Jersey City in 1941, which doesn't seem that long ago to me, but she's 80-something years old nowadays. Um, and she grew up babysitting Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra's kids, just just so you guys know. Um, in 1967, she became a stockbroker, because that's what her dad did. Um, no word on if she was any good at it, maybe not. Because then in 1976, all of a sudden, she's a caterer.
2: (laughs) Big, bam, boom. And just like that.
3: Yeah. So she started a catering business with a pal of hers, but things went bad, and her co-caterer accused her of being difficult to work with and taking side gigs. Um, So she left the catering business, and Martha bought her out. So... Then she sort of became... So her husband was a publisher guy, whatever, non-architect, but also a popular movie career. Um, her yeah, So he... I don't know. She catered an event, a book release event, and somebody there was like, mm, these canapes are so delicious. And then... So she got a cookbook deal from that. Um, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact that her husband worked for a publishing company. So then she no. kind of like started her little deal just with cookbooks. They were really successful... Um, and yeah, so she just had a million cookbooks, like Martha Stewart's weddings. And I'm like, I don't understand. Is she actually writing a cookbook to tell us how to cater a wedding? I don't understand. It's
2: just tips about like fabulous weddings because, okay. you know, people in the nineties needed to know how to have like a super fancy wedding that they couldn't afford.
3: Yeah. That's a good, I mean, I could just watch father the bride, but whatever. Um, <laughs> exactly. So uh, then she gets divorced, a little bit more on that later, and then she, so she gets divorced in 1990, and that same year, she started Martha Stewart Living Magazine, which started off pretty strong, but eventually had 2 million subscribers. Whoa. That's Um, amazing. I know. And then she started her show in... 1993, I believe, which was at the time of like a half an hour show, then it became an hour show. The rest is sort of history. In 1995, Um, she was the definitive woman of our time, according to someone.
2: (laughs) It's true. She is. I don't know how she, like, I'm, I'm always wondering about Martha. Like, you know, there's other people today who I think want to try to become the new Martha, but like, I don't know that Martha energy. I don't think that can be recreated in this current day.
3: Yeah. And what else I learned, which I did not know is she started a podcast at the age of 80, whatever, um, whatever 1941 minus this year is. She's 81. (laughs) they're full years old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, as a podcast, the first episode was on June 22nd, so we just missed it.
2: Oh, my God. I can't wait to listen.
3: Well, Snoop Dogg is her guest. so
2: That's great. Check I love their friendship. It's so okay. sweet.
3: Now, enough with accurate reporting and fact-checking. Let's get into the dirt-slinging here. Um, my first, um, I don't know information. I don't know. My first chunk of info here comes from the New York Post. Um, Perfect. <laughs> and that is the fact that one of her former best friends, Mariana Pasternak, basically wrote this really mean, like, tell-all book called Best of Friends about her and Martha's relationship, where she just talks a gang of shit of her. But just wait and see the things that she says, because it is hilarious. And the way that the New York Post writes about it is so, <laughs> really, I'm really funny. I um, fear this is
2: what's going to happen to me and you one day. Until yeah. all book all of a sudden comes out.
3: She also describes her as, she describes Martha as a hungry manhunter capable of evil <gasps> deeds. And I'm like, there is nothing wrong with being a hungry manhunter. I am one. You are one. It's fine.
2: Samesies and evil deeds. I'm with it.
3: Yeah. Um, okay. So here's the first salacious story um apparently there was a dinner party with only four people so Mariana Pasternak, former friend now enemy of martha stewart um <laughs> and and her husband i guess and then some this is after martha's divorced by the way um because that's why she was a hungry manhunter because she was divorced um she there was a, a the fourth guest at the party was a man who apparently martha wanted to get together with but he wouldn't get together with her And she found out that he had erectile dysfunction. So allegedly during this dinner party that contained only four people, she poked him in the junk area and said, how's that going?
2: (laughs) Rude. So rude. Very uncomfortable.
3: Almost unbelievable. And then um, she also goes on to say that Martha pushed Ben away because she was both needy and aggressive And she pushed away Anthony Hopkins, who stood her up for dinner once.
2: (laughs) I mean, he's a serial killer. That was probably smart.
3: Yeah. And then uh, she goes on to say that she could never, whenever she was out with Martha, she could never pee, even when she really wanted to, because she was too scared of Martha talking shit about her while she was in the bathroom and she couldn't bear it.
2: Oh, my God. Wow. Mm -hmm. Jeez.
3: So anyway, we should definitely, definitely read that book um, and another person who wrote a book about Martha Stewart is her daughter Alexis Stewart where she also talks a gang of shit about her mom um, it's called Whatever Land, Learn to Live Here um, and her allegations are also kind of dumb, um, she says that her mom was grouchy during the holidays and who isn't <laughs> Jamesies. You try having a million screening children during the holidays. It's not fun. Um,
2: yeah, or like stringing together like 20 million feet of garland and popcorn wreaths.
3: Yeah, and like hand painting a Christmas tree that you got from the woods yourself. <laughs> That's hard work. Figgy um,
2: pudding up to your ears.
3: <laughs> um. So she says, that, yeah, got you during the holidays. She canceled Halloween one year, or maybe every year, I can't tell. Wow, um, they were not allowed to wear costumes and they turned all the lights out. So they pretended not to be home. Um, so I don't know if like Martha regrets this and that's why she's obsessed with Halloween costumes now, but the, you know, the evidence is out there. We did a whole episode on Martha Stewart's Halloween costumes. Like she seems to be in it. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know,
2: she's compensating
3: She make your own decisions. Um, she also said that her mom, she doesn't like to invite her over because her mom will taste some of her food make a face and push it away.
2: <laughs> wow. That's, that's what I was scared of when I was on the show that was going to happen to my friend, Nora, who worked on the show. We became friends like after that, she was like, Martha ate all of your lasagna and then asked to bring it home with her. Nice. Afterwards. I know, but that was my greatest fear that she was going to eat something. I made and push it away. Well, like her she does to her poor daughter. <laughs>
3: You're like the awful. daughter she never had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she also, and this is, you know, really upsetting. Um, she also would pee with the door open while Alexis Stewart had friends over. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I had,
2: my parents had a friend. My mom had a friend when, uh, like she was friends with this family. They were like super hippies when I was growing up. And they were kind of like, Kind of nudists, and I remember the dad would come and, like, wake us up in the morning for a sleepover, and his, he was, like, naked, his disgusting hairy balls, like, hanging out and Ew. stuff. So I know. I was like, that borders on, like, abuse, kind of, if it's not your kids. But, yeah, just some parents are weird. Don't pee in front of your friends' kid, your kids' friends.
3: Or do! Let's take the stigma away from peeing. Um, well,
2: definitely don't put your balls near them. That's a, I think that's a must.
3: Well, I mean, nudity, it's confusing, um
2: it is and sometimes it's gross
3: yeah sure um so yeah that's alexis stewart's book that somehow made it into a whole novel and somehow she's still friends with her mom because martha loves her grandchildren apparently but um moving on you guys may remember when this happened because i kind of remember when this happened this is when martha and gwyneth paltrow get into a feud i don't remember what happened So, when Gwyneth Paltrow came out and told everyone on the whole planet Earth that she has consciously uncoupled with Chris Martin, um, Martha talked shit and said that um, if Paltrow was confident in her... Well, first of all, she said, Gwyneth Paltrow needs to just be quiet. (laughs) Um, If she was confident in her acting, she wouldn't need to try to be me. Because that's when she was starting her, whatever, goop thing. (laughs) And... In addition, that they made a conscious coupling dessert on their website, on the Martha Stewart website, to like make fun that's of her. So mean. <laughs> so in retaliation, Gwyneth Paltrow put a recipe for a jailbird cake up on her website. So oh
2: snap! That's good though. That's
3: shit slinging right there. Um,
2: that's a good burn.
3: So then Blake Lively tried to start a lifestyle brand as well. It was called Preserve. It lasted only for one year. It was a huge flop. And Martha Stewart said she was, or no, she said it was stupid of her to do that. Um, She said, why would you try to be me when you can be an actress? Which is a fair question.
2: Sure. It's a fair question, but but like why? And then that's when Blake Lively stabbed her
3: (laughs) in the neck. That's when Blake Lively put a recipe up for an insulting cake on her website. (laughs) Um, Martha also has it out for Lazy Millennials. Um, She says, well, kids these days don't have the initiative to go out and find a little apartment and grow a tomato plant on the terrace. (laughs) (laughs) That's because a little apartment
2: costs $7,000. And also,
3: where's, I'm going to have, oh, I get to have a terrace? Cool. I guess I'm a millionaire. Uh, and my servants can grab my tomatoes for me. <laughs>
2: oh, Martha. But um, these are things that like, only she could say. Like, literally, if anyone else said this kind of thing, it would be, like, immediate cancellation, like, we hate you. But for some reason, Martha can say it, and we're like, oh, God bless her. She's so mean.
3: Um, okay, this one involves a little bit of a digression in which Reese Witherspoon has a feud <laughs> with Ina Garden. Okay. <gasps> So this is also during the pandemic. So Reese Witherspoon being a self-righteous hoe, um, (laughs) she wrote, this is during the pandemic. She was like, okay, guys, you should start your day by drinking water, 10 minutes of outdoor light, 30 to 60 minutes of reading and in bed by 10. Um, And Ina was like, actually i'm not going to do any of those things she's like my list is much easier to follow it's drink more large cosmos stay up late watching addicting streaming series stay in bed in the morning playing sudoku (laughs) so yeah i mean she's obviously just joking around right but then perez hilton is reporting this by the way um yeah martha Stewart responded to this feud that had nothing to do with her by saying that drinking to cope with things like the pandemic is not charming (gasps)
2: <gasps> God! <laughs> what is her prop Martha come on don't take a shot at Ina Garten of all people same team I yeah. guess she doesn't have a team though she's like no no one's on my team they Except are homies dog, though I guess. Cool.
3: So they're supposed to be friends um, so then the last thing I have is that um, Martha did an, an AMA on Reddit which um, it sounds pretty interesting but um, somebody asked her about sex and she was like well you should take a bath before sex and also after sex and don't forget to brush your teeth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. Great advice.
3: And um, that's all I have on Martha Helen Stewart, you guys.
2: Oh my God. I love it. I really love it. I love hearing about Martha. I love talking about Martha. <laughs> Actually just a little uh, extracurricular reading or listening as it may be. Um, uh, I was going to say, would you rather, what is that podcast that I love? Um, I don't know. You're wrong. About. Oh yeah. They just did an episode on Martha Stewart. That was really great.
3: Yeah, well, I bet they didn't include any of my hard-hitting facts.
2: There was nothing about peeing with the door open, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> so interesting. I wonder why she did that. What a power move, you know? Yeah.
3: Well, also, Martha Stewart, the stars are just like I guess. <laughs>
2: That's true. Um, okay, great. Well, let's take a quick break, Um, and we will be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. I sang on the
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dylan Hoyer, host of Meet and 3 on HRN, here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods at a family-owned and operated distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle. 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainably managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, based in Jalisco, where together they transform agave byproducts and wastewater into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York, 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly.
1: Koren's Tribeca Showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Koren is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com.
2: And guess what? We're back and I demand 100 green M&Ms placed in a row in my dressing room. What? That's what I would say if I was a diva. <laughs> diva! I can't wait to become a diva. I hope I become famous someday only not for the money. Not for the, like, any security, not for doing what I love, just so I can be a huge pain in the ass <laughs> and order only French fries that are exactly four inches long. Um, okay, so today, folks, my diva of the day, I went between a lot of divas. <laughs> I originally thought of Whitney Houston, read a lot about, like, her favorite foods, then on to a diva that's close to my heart because she is from my hometown, Mariah Carey, and... Um, and then I was, like, maybe Cher, but Cher really just, like, doesn't like to eat and did have, like, a really interesting cookbook or, like, a book about staying fit. I think it's called, like, My Fit Life or something like that. <laughs> but, like, there wasn't, I couldn't, re- like, read it online. There wasn't a lot about it. So I was, like, on to one of my favorite divas and yours. Folks, we're going to talk today about Barbara Joan Barbara Joan, in quotations, according to Wikipedia, Barbara with only one A, Streisand. What? I don't understand. On Wikipedia, it says Barbara, spelled B-A-R-B-A-R-A, Joan, and then in quotations, B-A-R-B-R-A, Streisand.
3: Okay. Also, I do have a... I like to call her Babs. I do have a shared eating story, which is when... Tell me. On the set of... um, the Witches of Eastwick, mm. they would mm-hmm. all just microwave sweet potatoes, all three of them, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Cher. Um, and that's pretty much all they ate I the whole that. time.
2: I read that today, that they would go on what they called binges, having handfuls of m yep. <laughs> Handfuls of M&M's and like pretzels, but then they learned, Michelle Pfeiffer learned how to microwave a sweet potato. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> you go get it, girl. Well, that was the so early stage of crazy. microwave
3: technology, so it's fine.
2: Um, sweet potatoes are delicious and good for you. High fiber, anyway. High fiber. Let's talk about Babs, who's only one year older than Martha Stewart. Coming in, actually, I'm sorry, one year younger than Martha Stewart. Coming in at the ripe old age of 80, born April 24th, 1942. Uh, Barbara Streisand is an American singer and actress. With a career spanning over six decades, she has achieved success in multiple fields of entertainment and among the few performers to motherfucking EGOT, baby. Oh, she's an EGOT? She's an EGOT. In case anyone doesn't know what an EGOT is, it's Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and, yep, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. She got to
3: bone Elliot Gould back when he was young and sexy. I believe she
2: was married to Elliot Gould back when he was young and sexy. Yeah,
3: they were married, but I'm assuming they also... Had it, intercourse,
2: <laughs> maybe allegedly intercourse with the door open. Okay, so I'm going to begin with a 1967 article, a source unknown, but I got it from the Barbara uh, the Streisand Archives Library <laughs> Not not affiliated with her whatsoever. So in this article, Bab says, "quote I love to eat. I enjoy almost anything, but I like food that is cooked the day before because it tastes better warmed up the next day in the microwave, nice. probably." This is in 1967, I think, pre-microwave. Whoa, in
3: 1967? Yeah. I don't even know to think about that. She was ahead of the times.
2: I have, like, mixed feelings. One is that I've never really, like, loved leftovers, but some things really are nice when they sit the next day, like a brisket or soup or something like that. Chili, yeah. So I respect this about her, and I agree. Barbara is a nonconformist when it comes to food. (laughs) This is according to the article. Her tastes range from the very simple to the exotic, quote,
3: I love caviar alone or with a baked potato. (laughs) She's doing caviar bumps before anyone else.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I've never really thought about caviar on a whole baked potato. I mean, I could see like, I mean, I've had like little tiny mini potatoes with, you know, a little bit of creme fraiche and caviar in it. But a whole baked potato stuffed with caviar, that's very luxurious. Yeah,
3: well, she was a diva even back then.
2: She was born diva. Okay. She goes on to say, quote, I'm a pretty good breakfast eater. I don't eat many eggs, but it's fun to break on top of a break at the top on a three minute boiled egg and stuff it with toast and marmalade. Um, how do you stuff? I have reactions. How do you
3: stuff it in there?
2: (laughs) I have reactions to this. I'm going to begin with the fact that a three minute boiled egg is still completely (laughs) wrong.
3: Like... Well, I guess that explains how you could stuff toast in it, though, because it's just mush.
2: Sure, but, like, the whites are still completely liquid. <laughs> Folks, listener, have you ever eaten an egg that is boiled for three minutes? That seems heinous to me and criminal. <laughs> now, the next part that I was confused about is, like, putting marmalade inside this raw egg.
3: Well, the toast has marmalade on already.
2: Got it. I understand. You know, because that's
3: how you eat a... a an egg normally you take the lid off and you have your little toast soldiers, and then you dunk them in the raw yolk.
2: Yeah, the raw yolk, not really the raw
3: white. <laughs> well, it was it's a different really type. Disgusting. Rude.
2: <laughs> okay, but then this article goes on to say Barbara's foods, food loves rain from fresh mushrooms. Cut raw into salads, no thank you. Floating on top of hot soup or stuffed with
3: sour cream. Okay, they're (laughs) what? Floating on the top of her soup. And they're raw, so there's floats. So we're putting raw mushrooms on the top of hot soup? That's right. And then we're taking Uh, an innocent mushroom and stuffing it with sour cream?
2: I'm assuming also raw, a raw mushroom stuffed with sour cream. This woman is a diva. Nothing screams diva like raw mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so then her tastes range from that to escargot Provencal. And the chicken soup her mother used to make and bring her backstage on matinee days. She likes the riches of a Jewish delicatessen, too. Her favorites include kishka um, and stuffed cabbage. Mm. So that sounds, all that sounds delicious. Then the article goes on to say, despite her phenomenal success in show business, Barba still enjoys the food she used to love in her childhood. Quote, I adore Chinese food, she says. She's capable of ordering a complete meal in Chinese. What? She acquired that talent in the, at the age of 15 while working as a cashier in a Chinese restaurant. That's cool. It is cool. So then, according to a New Yorker article from like 1960, the I think 1967 as well. But it's at the bottom. I'll tell you exactly what year. She says, "quote I grew up with Chinese people. I used to babysit for a Chinese couple in Brooklyn. They had a restaurant, and they taught me to enjoy Chinese dishes. I often go to Chinatown to eat at night. You get wonderful white hot bread, uh, white hot breads with the center filled with shrimp, and a little coffee shop there. Only ten cents. <laughs> well, not anymore." I know. Just, this was clearly decades and decades ago, before we were born. Um, okay, so now I'm jumping back to that same random article. Uh, they say, when she and her husband, you guessed it, Elliot Gould, hot, younger, hot Elliot Gould. <laughs> before. Is Elliot Gould still with us? I
3: think, yes, he is.
2: When he looked a little bit more like an Elliot and less of a
3: Gould. Oh, <laughs> poor Elliot Gould.
2: I'm just saying. He's Gould. Ross and
3: Rachel's dad.
2: I know, that's true. I love Elliot Gould. What was that movie we watched with him together on the phone,
3: The Long Goodbye? Uh, yeah, I love that movie. It's, a good movie.
2: it's great. Um, when her and her husband Elliot Gould enter at home, dinner becomes very formal. Barbara plans the menu, table appointments and flower arrangements. A favorite dessert on these occasions is coffee, ice cream. Mm. I'm mad about it, says Barbara. I used to eat it at the corner drugstore when I was a kid. I didn't even try it with her delicious nutty chocolate sauce. And then it provides her recipe for nutty chocolate sauce. Cute. Then I read something. What's so nutty she about said, it though? <laughs> there's nuts in it. Okay. Peanuts, to be exact. It's just chocolate sauce with chopped peanuts. And then she goes to say, uh, when I was a kid, my mother used to put mustard plasters on me when I was sick. And then my think, my brain said, huh? What the hell is a mustard plaster? It's like an old-timey
3: thing where they put it on your chest and then you knew this. Yeah.
2: Wow, that's strange. Never heard of it. So she goes, you take a sheet, you rip it, you make a and you make a sheet. You make a dried. You take make dried mustard with hot water. You put it in between the two pieces of fabric, and you put it on your chest and your back, and that got rid of your cough.
3: Because of the yeah, because you're breathing in that like mustard. Whatever, gasp. <laughs> Mustard gasp.
2: <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I believe it. It sounds good. I'm going to do it next it's time. It's like the
3: VIX vapor rub. Yeah, well, you can also just do VIX vapor rub. It's a little bit less mustardy. I don't even know. Your sheets are going to be yellow.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mustard all over the bed is not cool. <laughs> um, okay, so according to the most reputable source in human history, the National Enquirer, Barbara, this is for, of late, this is from like 2019. Barbara Streisand's dangerous eating compulsion. (laughs) Barbara Streisand is secretly battling a compulsive eating disorder, and doctors warn the obsession is pushing her to the brink of death! I think
3: just being alive is pushing her to the brink of death. She's 80.
2: I mean, that's true. She's (laughs) 80 years old. Streisand admits that she eats when, quote, I'm happy and also wolfs down buckwheat pancakes smothered with butter and maple syrup.
3: Well, someone called an ambulance and this woman's about to die.
2: Um, yeah, and then it says Dr. Stuart Fisher, who has not treated Barbara, told the National Enquirer that the puppy-loving songbird is on a destructive path that puts her on the high-risk path to a deadly medical condition. What is... <laughs> Too many pan- buckwheat pancakes. What is the
3: medical condition? Death? Death. death.
2: <laughs> Dying. They're like
3: Dr. So-and-so who plays a doctor on television.
2: Yeah, Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. <laughs> um... So, yeah, and the puppy-loving thing refers to the fact that I think she has requested to have her dressing room filled with puppies, like, on her rider, which, to me, is absolutely amazing. I can't think of anything better to request. And when I get famous, I'm going to also request a room filled with puppies.
3: That's the pound.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Bring me to the pound <laughs> and let me play among... Okay. So now we're going to go ahead and jump to this May 12th, 1962 article in the New Yorker by Jeffrey Hellman. And I'm wondering if he was married to Lillian Hellman, but I believe she might've been single forever, but we don't know. The heir
3: to the Hellman's fortune.
2: No, Lillian Hellman was a famous playwright. Ah. So in this, she writes, I love, uh, she says in her interview with Jeffrey Hellman, in 1962. So that would have made her 20 years old. Uh, I love food. I look forward to it all day. My body responds to it. That's so unique of you. (laughs) Uh, Everything else seems so nebulous. I love broiled mushrooms. Again, with the mushrooms. She's a freak for mushrooms. At least she's cooking them now. Yeah, that's true. Well, this is before she moved to raw mushrooms as we neared the 1970s. Um, I began to sing in nightclubs when I was 18. I was at the Bonsoir and the the Blue Angel on Tuesday, May 22nd. I'm going back to the Bonsoir for two weeks. And when people offered to buy me a drink, I'd ask for potatoes.
3: (laughs) 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 Oh, no, thank you. Amazing. I simply would prefer if you could just give me some potatoes, like raw potatoes.
2: Just a bunch of potatoes. Thanks. They're like French fries. She's like, no, thank you. Just go out and find me I, a plain potato. I need a bag,
3: a sack full of potatoes. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> I love them. Um, so Jeffrey Ellen says, Ms. Streisand, who is in her secretary role, drew such non-pejorative adjectives as oafish, plain, and homely from the critics, uh, is in private life, animated, poised, and unconventionally beautiful young woman with an aquiline nose- <laughs> great big soulful <clears throat> eyes, and a, and great big soulful eyelashes. During our talk, <laughs> she consumed, soulfully, three buttered rolls, a clam juice, a V8, a crab meat with asparagus, and a 7-Up. Oh,
3: my God.
2: Strange combination. The 60s was a First wild
3: of, time. I mean, she had a Clamato. That's fine. That sounds fine.
2: She had a Clamato. Sure, the clam juice and the V8 are together, but separately, just like... Imagine living in a time where you pull up to a restaurant and order a clam juice. Well,
3: I have a feeling that she mixed them together and this guy who was describing that her eyelashes as soulful just mentioned it because he was like, what?
2: Yeah, that's a strange order. I'm going to repeat it for anyone in the cheap seats who didn't hear. (laughs) Three buttered rolls, a clam juice, a V8 juice, a crab meat with asparagus... And a seven-up. All of these things, in some way, sound like like okay. Butter rolls, of course, yes, delicious. Clam juice with the V eight, yes. Calmato and the carabin' asparagus is nice. Seven-up's fine. Yeah, seems like a lot of liquid, but whatever.
3: <laughs> and she went on stage um, after this. That's my worry.
2: <laughs> and then she vomited all over a crowd of onlookers <laughs> as she sang. Memories. Also,
3: oh, they um, can't believe they described her as o fish. It's so fucked up because she was. Very it's so rude. first of all, it doesn't matter if she's attractive or not, but she yeah. was very good looking back then. Of course she
2: was good looking. It's just that like she's Jewish. Yeah. And so that was like the anti Semitic way of right. like being like, we don't like the way like you know Jewish people look. It's fucked up. Um, okay, so now I want to talk just quickly about two movies that I love with Babs in it. The Mirror Has Two Faces with Jeff Bridges. Have you seen it? Oh yes. <clears throat> love that movie, but it is like One of the one of the movies that basically has the trope of like a woman being so heinous and gross because she's wearing like loose clothing. And then like she like gets a haircut and like puts on lipstick and all of a sudden she's like so fucking hot.
3: Yeah, that movie is not one of my favorites, although I do, of course, love um, Lauren Bacall as her mother.
2: Amazing. Laura is amazing. I love Jeff Bridges. The movie itself is like not really great, but it's just one of those movies I like watching. Also, but I, I just wanted to I'll go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
3: once in my, no, no. I had a professor in college play the clip of her like teaching the class because she is a professor, also a popular movie profession. Um, popular movie <clears> profession, <throat> you're right. She's a professor. And she has basically what is a monologue um, about like falling in love or whatever. Um, But my teacher showed it to us and she was like, can you, can anyone point out like what is wrong with this scene? And basically she was like, I get that this is a movie, but this woman is not teaching them anything. She's basically just listing off periods of time where famous people fell in love with each other to disastrous results. And that was a day of class. (laughs) She was so angry. (laughs) Totally. And
2: everyone just like. Loved her. She was, like, the most popular professor. But there's a scene, there's a couple, like, things. It's, like, to, you know, imply how dowdy and disgusting and unlovable she is. Like, her and her friend order extra dressing everywhere they go. And then finally one day she, like, doesn't get extra dressing. And it's, like, now she's sophisticated. To which I say, dressing, as we discussed last week in the episode, is the only reason for eating a salad. There's no other point in the salad a salad is made enjoyable by the dressing. Otherwise, you could just munch on the raw vegetables. So yeah. let's stop shaming people for eating extra dressing. Those people are smart. The world is crumbling. You should all have as much dressing as humanly possible. <laughs> that's my that's my rant about dressing. Been,
3: that's a good rant.
2: I love it. Every single kind of dressing is delicious. Now... There's also a thing where she like cuts up her salad and cuts up all her food so she can get the perfect bite and eventually it's what makes Jeff Bridges fall in love with her which is ridiculous but also it makes sense it's good to get a nice bite. <laughs> she likes to have it her way. There's also this um, really
3: stupid line in that but I always think about it where his like womanizing best friend is like talking about this young model that he's dating and he was like I gave her a copy of Farewell to Arms and she thought it was a diet book. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so funny though
3: That's
2: <laughs> oh, like a really great line whoever wrote that deserves an academy Award. Yes. um okay so then another Babs movie that of course i love with robert redford uh my number one um the way we were there's like a scene where like she's just so fucking obsessed with him in the beginning of that movie really through the whole thing like he's just constantly pushing her away and she's so obsessed with him and he like his character Hummel is like uh, calls her and like I'm gonna come stay with you, cry on your couch, and she's like sure. Like here's where the keys are, and then she goes out and buys all this stuff, and he's like about to leave the house and not even hang out. He's like oh, I'll, like call you when I come home later, and she's like I bought steaks and baked potatoes <laughs> with sour cream and chives and pie. You have to stay. You have to stay. You just have to stay. And then he goes all right, fine. Well, what kind of what kind of pie is it? And then he stays, and they bang by the fire, and then they get together.
3: Yeah, but then what happens? Um, well, in the
2: end of the movie, eventually they do divorce, which is very sad.
3: Um, I really like What's Up Doc, which is like this absurdist, um, like comedy movie from like the 70s that she's in. Um, do you, have you seen that?
2: I have never seen it, no, but I know the the movie. I've just never seen it. It's with her and
3: Ryan O'Neal. I can't remember who directed it. Um, but it's like somebody that we like, but, um, they actually were just playing it. There's a little cute like vintage theater here like in Southern Indiana that does like old movies and they were just playing it last weekend, but I couldn't go cause I had to work. Um, yeah. I also, Why should I, talk? I love Hello Dolly. It's So good.
2: I've never seen Hello Dolly. What?
3: Yeah. Well, I don't even, I that. don't really like the way we were. I've only seen it like one time. Um,
2: I love the way we were. Hello Dolly it's is so, so
3: good. It's got, um, grumpy old man. What's his name? Walter Matthau. Walter It's so good. It's truly like a musical though. So there's plenty of singing and costumes and Louis Armstrong is in it. Oh, cool. Um, Louis Armstrong,
2: the comedian?
3: No, the trumpet player.
2: I know. <laughs> oh yeah. So Peter
3: Bogdanovich directed. What's oh yeah, like,
2: of course. Yeah. Peter, poor Peter Bogdanovich. He had a hard time. So he did... Um, what was that movie that he did that was so fucking popular? It's gonna like really drive me crazy. Oh my God. I'll think of it in a minute. But his first film was like such a big deal. And he was like the darling, like of Art Orson Welles, like Orson Welles was his mentor. And he like did all this stuff for him. And then he made like Paper Moon. It was like the last
3: picture show. Uh, the last picture yeah. show.
2: Yeah. yeah. And then he did Paper Moon and then he did a couple other movies, but it like didn't go so well. And then he really fell on hard times, like really poor, like really badly. I think he might've even gone bankrupt and like been living in squalor. And then he got a career reboot playing Dr. Melfi's Therapist on The Sopranos.
3: Oh, that's right. Cool.
2: Little, and now he's died.
3: Yeah, he went <laughs> away. He went he's away. a skeleton. So that's a little
2: Peter Bogdanovich <coughs> sidebar for all you people, who, for all you Bogdanovich heads out there. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, yeah. And now everyone's like, shut up. Yeah, they're like, stop showing off.
2: Um, okay. So I just have a couple more things I want to say. So a a couple of things about her being diva ish. I didn't find that. I tried to look for like riders and stuff, but this one I thought was funny. She requests 10 designer floor lamps, um, (laughs) 120 bath size towels in a shade of peach that would enhance her complexion and a peach colored toilet roll to match her complexion and rose petals in the toilet bowl. So
3: we're talking about peach toilet paper.
2: Yeah, peach toilet paper, peach toilet bowl, peach rose petals in the toilet bowl. I forgot about that
3: period of time when you could buy colored toilet paper. Yeah. That was a wild time. No
2: longer. I remember when Bush was president, my stepdad bought toilet paper with George Bush's face on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, that's funny. Um, Okay, one last thing. She reportedly has been known to specify the temperature for bottled water, And the angle in which her head should be elevated. Her temper is said to be volcanic. Lyricist Paul Williams has described working with her as quote like having a picnic at the end of an airport runway. Interesting. (laughs) And that's it. I love her.
3: Well, also, you didn't even talk about the fact that she has a shopping mall in her basement, which she has.
2: Well, we discussed that last week, which is very
3: divish. They build themselves a shopping mall. It says instead of storing my things in the basement, I make a street of shops. And I display them. So she made an actual mall of her own clothes. I love that. And I want to go to that mall. That would be a lifelong dream. That's on
2: my bucket right. list. All right, We should
3: check it out. We had to hurry, though, because she's going to die from buckwheat pancake overdose.
2: <laughs> Any day now. God, that, let that be a lesson to you all. Don't eat buckwheat pancakes. They sound healthy, but really they're the devil's food. <laughs> <laughs> should we talk about our three favorite, top three favorite divas? Sure. You go first.
3: Um, well, that's hard to do. Um favorite divas. Well, I do love Celine Dion. <clears throat> and you know, is Shania Twain a diva?
2: Yeah, she's a diva.
3: And um who else is out there divaing around? I mean I do love Mariah Carey.
2: Amazing diva. One of the greatest divas of all time. I'm gonna go ahead and say my top three favorite divas are Mariah Carey, because she really is like exactly what a D di- I mean true diva, mm-hmm. right? Attitude, but also talent to back it up, demanding, kind of wacky. <laughs> um you know, could picture, like, beating one of her assistants with, like, a handbag, but still being, like, oh, Mariah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like a diva, like we were saying about Martha before, like, I feel like a diva gets a pass for anything. Right. Because it's just, they're so talented and so, like, beloved that, like, they can almost do no wrong. Um, Second favorite diva of all time, Whitney Houston. Yeah. R.I.P. Incredible diva.
3: I mean, again. remember... Your mom thought you sang like her.
2: (laughs) Well, that's why I love her is because our voices are exactly the same and that makes me feel good. Um, And also, The Bodyguard is one of the greatest movies of all time. And everything else she does is great too. And number one favorite diva ever is Cher. She's a full package. amazing actress. Walked around
3: naked at all times and it was just allowed. You could just watch her be completely naked on some sort of warship singing about yep. her love life and I don't She's incredible. know how those two things are related but it doesn't matter
2: she's <laughs> also like just so like firm in her beliefs I just like love her every movie that shares in like Mystic Mystic Pizza God sorry Mermaids um, and uh, Moonstruck God, what's wrong with my brain today Moonstruck yeah two of my favorite movies of all time Silkwood, she's just amazing. Yeah. So, Bravo, share your mind favorite diva. I know I've been looking for that little seal of approval. You've got it now. You got it, girl. You've got it going on. You go, girl. Hello. Hello. What is the appropriate
3: <laughs> response to that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um. I have to go to work. I've got a bunch of kittens to pet. Oh. And uh, yeah. And watermelon blow pops to eat, and um, those are my diva requests. Okay, love you, everybody. Hasta la pasta. Bye bye. This show is powered by SimpleCast.
0: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network Food Radio, supported by you. Keep in touch at HeritageRadioNetwork.org/slash subscribe.